Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, breaking down the world of tennis with your hosts, Val Fabo and Joel Frucci. The pointy end of the Australian Open is almost upon us with the semifinals pretty much set and we're getting right down into the thick of it. The narratives have been aplenty. The tennis has been phenomenal. And we're here to talk about it all on Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo. It's great to have everyone's company today. And joining me, as he always does, to chat about tennis, the wonderful specimen that he is, Joel Frucci. How are you, mate? No way. It's the stats guy from TV. <laughs> hey, Val. I saw you on TV the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass. Um, I <laughs> uh, started already. Uh, I was wondering how long that was going to take, and I nailed the intro. I was like, "Beautiful, we're on here." Um, didn't have to do two takes there, and uh, and he's gone straight into it. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a very unexpected morning. Um, very unexpected, mate. I, I, I was for, for the for the listeners. So I, I got up in the morning. I think what, what day was it? It was Saturday, Sunday, uh, Friday. That was. I get up, having Monday. my breakfast, sat down. Monday, got up, sat down, had some brekkie, turned on the it TV. Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Sorry. Tuesday. All right. Tuesday. Let's Tuesday. go with Tuesday. And lo and behold, the first thing I see is Val sitting on the panel alongside Todd and Jim. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I was in absolute shock. But mate, it was great to see you there. And um, yeah, you were a natural, and clearly the people that saw it think you were too. Yeah, no, it's been the, the feedback has actually been really good, which is surprising considering it was so unexpected. So the, the story was I was sitting there I'm doing stats producing for, for Channel 9, um, which is the host broadcaster here in uh, in Australia, and sitting there next to the wonderful host that is Tony Jones. And um, yeah, Jim Courier had been delayed for a breakfast with, uh, with Tennis Australia. So... We so him and so Tony was sitting on one end, Todd Woodbridge on the other side, and then there was a seat in the middle. So Tony was saying, Oh, well, look at the Logies, they do seat fillers, um, just so it doesn't make things look empty. And he called me up and said not to talk. Um, and then all of a sudden, they um, they showed a montage, and all of a sudden, they asked me some questions. And uh, and at first, <laughs> I, I had the headset on and I couldn't hear anything because there were voices in my ear. So I took that off. And then after that, I was kind of a bit comfortable. The um, the sound man, Jordan, uh, gave me a uh, gave me a microphone. So I had something to fidget with, which was nice. Made me feel a little bit more comfortable. And geez, Joel, to share a television screen with Jim Courier. Now, we, we've said this a lot on the show, how yeah, much yeah. of a superstar of a broadcaster he is. Um, and also Tony and Todd as well, um, like legends of tennis and media. Um, so to share a television screen with them was was an absolute thrill. So no, that was um, that was super fun. Um, but what's even more fun, Joel, is the fact that we have got a massive show. We're going to talk all things Australian Open, everything that's happened so far. And joining us is the nicest person in tennis, Casey Delacqua from Nine's Wide World of Sports and former superstar on the WTA and very good friend of the one, the only Ashley Barty. So very excited to have her on. But um, yeah, well, we, we might as well start a talking about the tournament because it has been, it's been sensational. And I think we better start as, as we did the other day, I think we better start with the women's straw because Joel, we've seen some awesome matches. And I think we saw some of the longest matches played throughout the entire tournament. And, and, it was all pretty much in one session because we had Simona Halep and Elisa Cornet in one of the longest matches of the event and Danielle Collins and Elise Mertens, another one of the longest matches of the event. Both of them went six, four in the third, Elisa Cornet, her 60th consecutive major, um, two off the all time record and three off surpassing it. And then also in her 63rd major um, as a whole, getting through to her maiden grand slam quarterfinal. Then there was the interview with Yelena Dokic afterwards. And then we also had, um, and then yeah, Danielle Collins after coming through um, some health problems and health issues last year, getting through to another grand slam quarterfinal. And then Igor Sviantek playing so well. Kai Kanepi, her first Australian open quarterfinal at 36 years of age, almost 37. Um, the, the narratives have been a plenty. And then you look at the top half of the draw, Madison Keys back into the semis of a grand slam and Ash Barty absolutely dominating. She's played the four quickest completed women's matches um, on uh, throughout the tournament, which just says so much about the way that she's going. So what's there's been so much to unpack since we last yeah. met, but what have you unpacked? 
<laughs> Jeez, where did we start though? I guess we'll, why don't we start with uh, with Ash Barty and we'll we'll touch on her because we're going to chat a bit more in depth about her and her match against Madison Keys later with Casey, who, as you said, of course, knows Ash so well. But at the moment, she looks absolutely unstoppable, unstoppable. Val, this I'm just going to say it. This and I know she's been pumped up a lot this week. Jim Courier said that her backhand was was. On, this, on par, if not better, than Roger Federer's, which, to be honest, I can kind of agree with. It is a, a supreme backhand technique-wise. Technique I think um, he meant the – did he mean the slice or was it the backhand the slice, as a whole? Yeah, slice, yeah. yeah. Slice. Um, I, I haven't seen a female player this in, in, in this dominant of a run of form since probably Serena Williams at her very best. Ash just looks absolutely – unbeatable at the moment. It's incredible how well she's playing. It really is. So, I mean, um, yeah, Madison Key's got her work cut out for her. But, um, I mean, to, to, to touch on her as well, it's great to see her back at this point of the tournament too. I mean, she's always she's always been good enough. Um, obviously, she's had some issues um, uh, and has just kind of seemed to fluctuate a little bit. But she's found her best, and, and that's great to see too. Um but of of course she's run into a bit of a steam train, so who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, well, and and not to sound completely Australian biased here, but Ash, the way that she's playing and the way that she moves, the way she goes about her business, I actually it she's one of my favourite players to watch ever because of the way that she just plays and just she just gets on with it, Joel. She plays so well. She just it, it's th- there's no fuss, and you're right, the slice is as good as Roger Federer's. And I want to ask you, because I was doing, I did some reading and was having a look on social media and there, there were a few comparisons to Roger Federer and the way that she plays tennis because the forehand is really picturesque in the way that she hits it. She gets a lot of weight on it and it, it just looks beautiful in, in the way that she hits it. Her movement around the court looks effortless. She can come into the net. She's not afraid to do that like Roger. She can finish points off. And then if you look at the backhand slice, the variety, it's there. And the serve placement, Joel, she's been broken once this entire yeah. tournament. She is, I think she saved all but one break point. So I think the comparisons are there and for, for good reason, because it's, it, she's just, she's, it's sublime. I've run, I've honestly run out of words because I've described her yeah. with every single superlative that there is. And I've run out, I'm going to have to start inventing them. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But yeah, I, I guess just to kind of, continue on the theme of comparison to Roger Federer. And I think it's important to note as well that Ash probably won't really, uh, well, not, not, not so much that she won't like that happening, but I think she'll kind of um, sort of brush it to one side or she won't look too much into it because she's that kind of humble person. But yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of things that are comparable to him. Like certainly the um, the way she goes about things mentally, um, as you said, kind of, you know, if for opponent knocks, knocks down a, you know, a winner or whatever, she'll be like, oh, okay. You know, great shot, move on, next point. Um, you know, the ability to use the serve to get her out of tough spots, to find the corners or, you know, find one find, find one out wide or find the tee. Yeah, the forehand, the slice, um, the variety. I think most importantly, the variety is the big one. She's got so much variety. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think it's unfair to, to, be, to be talking about that. And, you know, Ash has earned it, really. She has, and she's conceded 17 games in five matches, Joel. It's just it's sensational. I think the record um, at an Australian Open with 128 players in the draw um, for a champion is 24 games conceded. So in two more matches, that's achievable. If she can get over the top of Madison Keys, who we're going to touch on now, um, I think that's probably Ash's final in, in, in more ways than one because Keys... Um, she defeated uh, your well, the name that you coined the other day, Paula Bulldoza. Um, yeah, she Bedosa stopped the just, well, She did because Bedosa looked in fine form, and then all all of a sudden, Barbara Krajikova destroys Victoria Azarenka, which no one really expected. I think Azarenka had some neck problems as well there, but um, Keys then overcomes Krajikova in straight sets. Krajikova wasn't really coping with the heat too much. So it's great to see her back in a Grand Slam semifinal. And and the way that she strikes the ball, it's kind of a similar matchup um, for Barty in terms of Anisimova and Jessica Pagula and Camilla Georgie. She's kind of really been trained and been preparing for this exact matchup with her last three. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, great to see Maddie back at, at this point of the tournament. And um, 
you know, it's interesting. Like when we sort of think about, um, you know, again, as well, the players that Ash has played, um, it's worth noting that the, the American flavor there. Um, and mm. of course, Daniel Collins still in the draw as well. Um, you know, just to sort of, to sort of touch on that, how well still is American women's tennis going? I, mean, I don't think there was really, um, I guess, too much of a danger of it kind of sliding because it is such a, a mass production factory of tennis players, both female and male, but, Geez, um, is is the is the states churning out some unbelievable female tennis talent at the moment? Oh, it is it is insane, and it's the first time since two thousand and two, two thousand and three that we've had two Americans in the women's singles semifinals in back to back years. So. Uh, I think last year it was Serena and Jennifer Brady. And now this year it's Danielle Collins and Madison Keys. So an amazing story for them. And back in 2002, three, it was Capriati, Salas and the Williams sisters. So, you know, these four and these two, sorry, are making their own history this year. And hopefully for them that they can, they can do some damage from an Australian point of view. I hope they don't because I really want to see an Australian winner. It's been a bloody long time since that happened, but moving to the bottom side of the draw, Aliza Cornet getting through to the quarterfinals for the first time. Kaya Kanepi getting through to her first Australian Open quarterfinal um, in uh, ever at 36 years old. And then she plays Igis Fiontek in the second longest match of the tournament. Uh, Kanepi made her Fed Cup and tour debut a month before Fiontek was born. <laughs> and they met in the quarters over 20 years later, which is, um, which is marvellous, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is marvelous, and um, yeah, you got to hand it to Kaya for for getting that uh, that, that, that deep into the tournament. And um, I think I was actually, uh, funnily enough, I was actually sitting uh, sitting on a beach listening to that match on AO Radio, a, a three hour affair, um, and it just seemed like uh, Kaya was kind of suffering, um, you know, from from the heat, which was pretty bad in uh, in mm-hmm. Victoria. It's been a really really hot few days here. Um, for anyone that's that's listening from interstate or or overseas, um, and it's it, it just seemed like it, it kind of caught up with her a little bit, and I guess the the exuberance of Igish Fiontek probably got her over the line in the end. What I think I really liked about it was uh, obviously she came from a set and a breakdown, but um, you know in that last set, um, you know body language is so important, and um, even right at the at the death of that match, I guess. With a with a younger player, a twenty year old player up against a thirty six year old, you would expect the twenty year old naturally to be a bit more full of beans. But um, you know, Eager was was up and about. Um, she actually, of course, did um, with the double break in hand, spurn a chance to serve out the match. So she actually had to had to go one more. Um, so maybe as well a little bit character building in that sense. But yeah, it was good to see Eager sort of you know up and about and kind of put that behind her. I think it was a real kind of character building win for her, which. Um, you know, we, we don't say that lightly because she's obviously already won a Grand Slam, so she knows how to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, it was her first quarterfinal outside of Roland Garros, so really impressive uh, tournament from Igish Fiontek. She's just gotten on with the job, and that's all we can really ask. I guess when you're a top 10 player, um, she'll rise again in the rankings, and she's got such a bright future ahead of her. And then moving on to, as we touched on, Elisa Cornet and Danielle Collins. Collins just got the better of Cornet in the heat today, and um, yeah, it's 7-5-6-1. But a great story for both Cornet, her first Grand Slam quarterfinal, and um, it's been a long time coming, 15 years, yeah. oh, sorry, 17 years in Grand Slams almost. And then Danielle Collins, uh, after having health issues last year getting back and uh, and she's back into the Australian Open semi-finals so amazing performance from both yeah absolutely and uh you know Danielle Collins she's she's got the kind of game really I think that can can trouble anyone certainly when mm. she's on I guess the, the big concern for for her I, I think uh as ever will just just be I guess kind of how temperamental she is but uh you know the energy that she she brings to the court is uh is is great and um, yeah, look, I mean, she's certainly one of those, I think, uh, sort of more kind of low percentage players that, you know, when she's off, yeah, she's off, but yeah, she's been on, she's been on at this Australian Open and, um, yeah, she's looking hard to stop. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously Elise just, just couldn't go with her, which was a bit of a shame really, because, um, you know, we know the, the, we know her story. Um, and, uh, I think she really sort of captured a lot of, 
hearts and minds as well, um, not only on the court, but just in a really kind of simple way off the court in that, uh, that interview that she did with, uh, with Yelena Dokic after she beat, um, uh, after she beat Simona Harlop um, in the, in the fourth round, I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people were rightfully really, uh, really impressed and captured by that. So yeah, look, it's a, it, it is a shame that she, she wasn't quite able to get the job done, but yeah, got to hand it to, you got to hand it to Danielle Collins. Um, you know, she's had her own challenges and she finds herself at the point end again. Yeah, and it's just absolutely brilliant. She had a great year last year, despite those health problems, won her maiden uh, ATP, oh, sorry, WTA title and uh, got a second one as well. So um, amazing. She can play on all surfaces. She's made a quarterfinal at the French Open before and uh, that are now a couple here at the Australian Open. And Elisa Cornet, um, she's such a dogged competitor in the way she goes about her tennis and she fights tooth and nail for every point. She was down early against Danielle Collins today, got it back on serve to five all um, just with sheer will and determination. She chased down shots. She started to, you know, hit the ball deeper. She started to find winners and, and be more creative on court. But I think the heat just got a little bit too much for her in the end. But as you said, it was one of those, I'm not crying, you're crying moments with Yelena yeah. Dokic uh, after, after the Simona Hallett match, which was probably for me, match of the tournament in the women's draw, because it just had absolutely everything. Hallett fought tooth and nail, was chasing, was, you know, it, it was problem solving to perfection before Elisa Cornet was able to get over the line. But the emotion of the bottom half of the women's draw has been one of the moments of the tournament for me as a whole in terms of just the storylines that it's provided. And there have been some scintillating matches. So it's been a great women's draw as it always is in Grand Slams because it is just so even and we don't know who's going to win any given matchup. So I'm so excited to see what the rest of the tournament will hold because we still have three matches to go. And Thursday, semifinals day is going to be massive. Danielle Collins against Igish Fiontek and Ashley Barty against Madison Key. So can't wait to get onto those. And then there's the men's draw. Um, it's been so even for the first time in in such a long time. Um, there was the Shapovalov-Nadal epic. There was the Berrettini-Monfils classic. There was... Uh, there's been drama aplenty. Daniel Medvedev hasn't been able to go pee. Um, and, <laughs> and he told the umpire about it as well. Um, and then uh, Yannick Sinner playing so well. Stefano Tsitsipas overcoming severe adversity. Felix Auger-Aliassime. The young brigade are starting to make their way through, Joel. And I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. But I think we can start with the semis that are already set, really, because Matteo Berrettini with that blistering power that he's got and Rafael Nadal. The evergreen Rafael Nadal still hasn't lost a match yet this year. The foot seems to still be ailing him and still be causing some problems, but he's still fighting. He's still there. And the match against Denis Shapovalov had absolutely everything. And early on, it was Rafa really with the ascendancy. He had Shapovalov frustrated and was really pouncing on his second serves. Um, and I think he was winning 58 to 60% of Shapovalov's second serve points um, in the in the first two sets. And then Dennis started to get back in. He started to win more points on his own second serve and started to be more aggressive and started to really take it to Nadal. And his backhand was more confident. He was playing with energy. He was really showing that youthful exuberance that we've seen from him. And then all of a sudden, Rafa injured, uh, takes the timeout, regroups, and comes out, breaks Shapovalov early in the third. Shapovalov has chances to break back. Can't, oh, sorry, in the fifth, I mean, um, and can't get the job done. Very frustrated, smashed his racket at the end of the match and then launched a tirade in the media as well. <laughs> yeah, all in, a, all in a night's work. Um, yeah, uh, look, I think we've got, to, we've got to start with Rafa because, geez, that fifth set, I, where did that come from? That was I just don't know. pure heart and, and grit from... Really, a guy who knows no else. Let's yeah. let's be let's be real about that. I mean, that was just vintage Rafael Nadal. That was exactly what he is all about. But yeah, look, he was on the ropes. Um, you know, with the, with the foot knock, we know about that. And um, from all that we've heard, COVID really knocked him down when he had it in in December. And it, it still has just seemed this whole event, this whole Australian summer, really, that he's just building back up from that. Um, hasn't really looked like the Rafa that we know, which I guess is to be expected even without all those things. He's not getting any younger, but um, in his words, he's not, I am not 21 anymore. 
Uh, not 21 anymore, no. Um, but yeah, he still he still found a way, and he's in the last four. Um, mm. It's just he belongs there. Uh, and uh, if you're Matteo Berrettini, then um, yeah, look, even even a battered Rafa, you've got your work cut out for you. I mean, it's a battered Matteo Berrettini as as well. Um, just just to uh, still on the on the um, Dennis Rafa match though, uh, Val. I think um, I think Dennis has probably still just got a little bit more mental maturing left yeah. left to do I, I think because yeah this was just this was really his chance to just make a significant breakthrough when he just he just he just could not get it done so look I think it's going to be a big lesson for him um and you know all the all the stuff about um you know the about Rafa taking too long in between points and stuff I mean I think I think maybe he's got a point um he's not the first player that's made that point about Rafa um but I think at the time that he actually made it um, like at that precise time at the start of the second set, um, you know, I didn't really feel like that was probably the right moment for him to go and do that. I think he was just clearly uh, and visibly frustrated that he had just been outplayed in that first set. And, um, you know, then, then the, the um, you know, the reaction to that was he just, he just used up more energy by, by complaining, which I didn't think did yeah. him any favors as well. Um, so look, I mean, he'll learn from that. Um, he's still got a, a lot of time to to improve that. He probably wants to get onto it soon, but um, yeah, I like, can't really say much more about about Rafa, can we? I, I can't wait for that match against Mateo. Neither can I, and uh, and I think calling the umpire corrupt—that's probably going to land him yeah, in a little was... hot water. Not a good yeah. move from uh, from young Dennis. But what I loved yeah. most was when Rafa came into the net and just said, "Come here, little boy." And was about to give him a serve, and it was absolutely fantastic. But yeah, Rafa um, beaten, and, and it had all the earmarks of the Stefanot Sitipas clash last year when Steph looked down and out, and all of a sudden he comes from two sets to love down and beats Nadal in five. Only the third time it ever happened. Chapo's only ever done it once in his career, and that was in Davis Cup against Robin Hassa uh, back in 2018. Couldn't get that job done. Um, so back to the drawing board. Had a great tournament quarterfinals for the first time at the AO. So uh, nothing to be laughed at there from Denis Shapovalov. But Matteo Berrettini and Gal Monfils, I think this one was was great in itself. Matteo's had a really difficult tournament. They had some uh, diarrhea problems in round one. Uh, Imodium, Imodium uh, Grazi uh, from... We've gone from, there's been a lack of idem or we've gone from Imodium. <laughs> yeah, ex- well, exactly right. And Rafa had some stomach problems in the Shapovalov match yesterday as well. So I wonder if the Imodium uh, went and fixed him as well. And uh, we've got the Imodium derby uh, tomorrow uh, or oh. on Friday between uh, Matteo and Rafa. So look, not sure, but um, it, it was a, in, an enthralling match with Gail Monfils. And Monfils, unfortunately for him, 35 years old, this was probably his best chance ever to win a Grand Slam. And unfortunately, coming from two sets down, forcing it to five, um, the hitting was extraordinary. Everything was extraordinary about this one. And, and the athleticism shown by both was, was brilliant. But Matteo just had a little bit too much left in the tank. The forehand, the power, it was all there to see. And... I think the composure in the big moments for me was the key because there was a 20-minute game in the second set that went to nine juices and Matteo ended up holding. And that was the set. That was the second set. And ultimately, the match, because Monfils won the next two sets after that. He regrouped brilliantly. But had he broken in that game, Monfils probably comes out victorious in four sets and we're saying that he's probably favourite to beat Nadal. And now all of a sudden, we've got a really evenly poised matchup between Berrettini. Yes, he's a lot younger than Rafa, but he's played a lot of tennis this tournament. And Rafa banged up. We don't know what we're going to expect from him. Who knows? And it's funny, Berrettini's first Grand Slam quarterfinal at the US Open in 2019 against Monfils beats him in five. His first Grand Slam semifinal, US Open 2019, against Rafael Nadal, lost in straight had chances in the first set, four love up in the first set tiebreaker and 6-4 had two set points and dropped it. So history repeating itself. But the fact that Novak hasn't been in the draw like he was at the in, at the French Open quarterfinals, like he was in the Wimbledon final and the US Open quarterfinals, this is Berrettini's chance. This is the one for him to get through and to try and push for that maiden Grand Slam title. And it would be so good to see him get through to the final. Yeah, look, I think so because he's played fantastic tennis, and uh, yeah, just when again when Matteo when he's on, oh, boy, try stopping that. That forehand is just one of the weapons of of the sport. Um, look, I think though, I mean, clearly Matteo is not going to have really a better chance ever to beat 
any of the big three, um, let alone Rafa, than, than this match. Rafa's banged up, so is Mateo. But uh, really, you'd have to think it's just going to kind of come down to who gets themselves um, in, in better nick, I think, is going to... He's going to win the match. Who recovers better? Um, and yeah, again, who knows? That could that could be an experience thing. Again, Rafa's done this a lot of times. Um, you know, Matteo Lesso, he's becoming more and more familiar with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, uh, yeah, boy, Rafa knows knows these situations all too well, doesn't he, Val? So it's, uh, look, it's going to be an interesting one. I can't wait for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not really willing to call it either way because I just I just can't decide who I think is going to, going to take this one out. I'm going to make you call it. Oh, you're going to make me call it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, jeez, <laughs> oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I'm going to go with Rafa, which probably means Mateo will win. Yeah, oh, I think Mateo is going to win it. I, I have a feeling, but I thought Chapo would beat Rafa um, and was was very close to being right, although wasn't expecting it to be that way. But um, yeah, I think Mateo might have a little bit too much left in the tank. They both get three days off now um, until Friday because both men's semifinals on the same day, which I really like that scheduling change. Um, and same with the women. They, you know, There's no advantages. There's no disadvantages um, to playing on a certain day. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. So um, awesome by Tennis Australia in that sense to make that change. But the bottom half of the draw, Yannick Sinner couldn't get over Stefano Tsitsipas. Is he making a late charge, the young Greek? Is he making a late charge? Because that was mightily impressive. I think mightily impressive is an understatement, to be honest, Val, because I so I managed to catch a lot of this match and I heard, uh, heard Todd Woodbridge, Jim Courier, Sam Groff use the word statement to describe Stefanos' performance and it was a statement and a half. He was absolutely flawless I reckon I'm going to use that word flawless he yeah. was brilliant against Yannick Sinner I don't think I don't think Yannick Sinner could have done anything to change the outcome of that match um Stefanos was just absolutely on fire and you talk about players that you know probably I'm not going to say they didn't have a right to make it this far but certainly we had our doubts about Steph because he had he's had the elbow injury He's had some issues around that um, early in the tournament, um, even as recently as his last match against Taylor Fritz. I don't think we, we really saw anywhere near the best of Stefanos Tsitsipas. I mean, you, throwing throwing it uh, back as early as round two against Sebastian Baez, I, I was thinking, well, this doesn't really look like Steph at all. Um, um, Sebastian actually got a got a set off him, of course, but um, yeah, this this was the. This was the Steph that that we know. He was absolutely brilliant, and uh, yeah, I mean, if he if he manages to bring that out against his next opponent in the semifinals, whether that's Daniel or or Felix, they're actually currently going at it in a breaker as we record this on on Wednesday night. Um, yeah, you'd have to think he's a he's a very good chance, and um, you know, geez, wouldn't it be spicy if we got uh, if we got Stefanos versus Daniel again? Oh, you better shut your fuck up. <laughs> Oh, it's the piece of audio that never gets old. <laughs> he called me bullshit Russian. Um, yeah, Stephanos. Oh, God. It's absolutely fantastic. And we're going to post it again if um, if it does happen because it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I, I'm st- I still want to know exactly what happened because it seems as though there's a very clear two sides to this story. Um, I think they're fine now, but God, that is one of the funniest pieces of tennis audio that you will ever hear. Um, but yeah, uh, look, Steph was great. And there's always those players that get to a certain stage in a Grand Slam and they battle, but then they end up coming up with the, with the chocolates and we saw we've seen Novak do it time and time again we've seen Roger and Rafa both do it you know when they when they haven't had it all their own way and maybe Steph might have needed to play matches or, or longer matches to get himself into more of a rhythm because we've heard um, Jim Correa, Darren Cahill, Todd Woodbridge all say that the mental uh, the mental hit that he took after that Roland Garros final last year was monumental. And after being two sets to love up, couldn't close the door on Novak, then loses in the first round of Wimbledon to Francis Tiafo, and then the third round of the US Open to Carlos Alcaraz. Um, and then having the injuries on top of that, he didn't have a good second half of the year. And then having Alexander Zverev and Andy Murray coming at him about his toilet breaks. 
Um, mm. it, it would have felt like everything was coming at him from left, right and center. So he's had a chance to regroup, didn't have a great ATP Cup, but now all of a sudden he's into the semis again. He's got a real chance of getting through to another major final. He's never lost a Grand Slam quarterfinal, which is just unbelievable. Um, so Stefano Tsitsipas, really, really tough to beat. So we're going to get to the predictions uh, later on um, for the entire tournament. Daniel Medvedev and Felix Auger-Aliassime record, uh, playing as we record. And Felix, just Felix has just third. won the first set. First set, 7-6. So, uh, Daniel already on the back foot. So, we've got plenty to get through. Casey Delacqua is going to join us right after this on Breakpoint Podcast. Can't wait to chat to her about um, about all things the Australian Open. And after that, we've got the Benoit of the Week. So, stick around. Plenty more still to come. And, and, and before that, in case you missed what? it, we've got Val on the What set. do you mean? On oh, no. Sports. <laughs> oh, no. Are we playing that, are we? We are playing it. Yes. Oh, God. All right. Well, you heard it here first. We are playing it on Breakpoint Podcast. Stick around. Follow Breakpoint on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast. Search us on Facebook and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is Breakpoint Podcast, Val Ferbo and Joel Frucci here with you talking all things tennis, the Australian Open. Well, we've got a few days to go and joining us to dissect everything that's happened so far. And we're so excited to have her on the show. She's former world number 26 in single. She encapsulated the hearts of, uh, of Melbournians and Australians in 2008 and 2014 with her fourth round runs at the Australian Open. Former world number three in doubles, made fi- the final at all four Grand Slams in doubles, is a mixed doubles Grand Slam champion. The CV is absolutely ginormous. She's dominating for Nines Wild World of Sports uh, on the television screens of Australia. And she's the nicest person in tennis, Casey Delacqua. Well, thank you very much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, Val and Joel. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, that was a, a good wrap. So thanks for that. You've, uh, yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> we thought we've tried, we try everyone we get on, we try and really G them up with a good intro. So, um, so yeah, no, you're absolutely no exception, but it has been a wonderful tournament so far. And we do want to ask you first things first, of course, Ashley Barty, uh, we know that you know her so well. You played so much tennis with her. She called you her tennis mum uh, back a few years ago. Um, and she has played some sensational tennis throughout this Australian Open. I think she holds the um, the four quickest completed women's singles matches and she's only conceded 17 games. So um, talk to us about how you've actually found her tournament so far and her season as a whole. Yeah, look, I'm obviously, as a friend, extremely proud of Ash, win or lose, the way she goes about uh, what she does. And I think that's a credit to her. But I think throughout this tournament, actually through January, she's had this really like beautiful, relaxed intensity about the way she's gone about her tennis. So I feel like on the court, she's dialed in, she's locked in and she's got a real intent about what she wants to do on court, but she seems really relaxed doing it. So I think that's uh, working in a favour. The thing with that I love about Ash is, she just works on every part of her game and, you know, she's worked on, you know, the mentality side. She obviously has done some great work in the off season and particularly with her game serving well, we know the slice and how good it is, but, you know, I just think she's piecing it together and, you know, two matches to go, but yeah, she's put herself in a really good position right here at the, at the, you know, second week of the grand slam. Yeah, she certainly has. And the the thing that impresses me the most, and, and you mentioned her attitude and her mindset, but also her movement around the court and just the sheer variety of her game. It's something that a lot of the women wouldn't have seen before Ash came along. So how important is it for her to have that point of difference in terms of her variety? Because the slice, and we were talking about this this morning, actually, um, how good and how rewarding it is to her game. Yeah, look, I think when you think about Ash's movement, a lot of the girls move so well laterally across the back of the baseline, but Ash moves so well in and out of the court and also across the baseline. So it's pretty hard to, to get a, you know, stretched and uncomfortable for that reason, but also as well because of the weaponry she possesses in terms of that slice backhand. You know, players don't want to hit it to a forehand because they know when, you know, when she gets a forehand, she can whip it to every part of the court. She can hit it with shape. Uh, with the slice backhand, it's so low over the net this this summer. The heat, the courts, I think, are just really suiting Ash perfectly. Um, girls have to hit up on the slice. She's then able to get a forehand. There's just so many things that Ash can do on court to trouble her opponent. So, 
she's uh she's just going great so there's not you know there hasn't really been too many matches you know a few unforced errors here and there but on a whole I think she's really put in some good performances so yeah look and even for her size in terms of her serve you know we we speak about her height but what she's able to do on her serve is also something that um I think is really impressive so yeah just all positive talk for Ash I think she's doing all of the right things like she always does so like I I think you know she says the words Aussies you know we love our Aussie athletes to go and have a crack and she'll do that she'll guarantee us of that and that's really I think all she can go out and do yeah absolutely and um absolute pleasure to be chatting to you Casey but looking at the other side of uh, of the coin for Ash of course up against Madison Keys it's I think it's great to see Maddie back in some really good form. Um, obviously had a bit of a difficult run last year in particular, but sort of looking at, at her game, what can she really do to, I guess, unsettle Ash and, and give herself the best chance of progression? Well, it's great to chat to you too, Joel. Um, I think that Maddie, um, I, I agree. I think, you know, Ash said it perfectly in her post-match interview. She's so happy to see Madison Keys back. She's a lovely girl and does a great job, um, you know, representing the sport really well. I think she's always got a smile on her face. But, you know, Maddie's got a big game. She's probably in my, you know, top five ball strikers on the women's game. So when she's playing well, she's actually super dangerous. We know that she's made a final of a Grand Slam before. She's been in this position as well. So she's going to bring a lot of experience to the court. I do just think, you know, it's a kind of a similar matchup if you're talking about a Georgia and Anna Samova in terms of court positioning and ball striking. I think Keys is playing well and she's dangerous when she's playing well, but I just feel like Ash, regardless of kind of what Madison might throw at her, I do feel like Ash is going to have an answer for. So I think it's going to be um, kind of, yeah, you know, tactics are going to be at play, but execution will obviously be key out there. So I I think she's going to bring a, a big game, but I think Ash will have the weaponry to throw it back at her. It, feel, it definitely feels that way. So hopefully Ash can get through to a final. We, we we just so want to see her win. It's been such a long time since an Australian has won the Australian Open uh, on, on home soil. But the other side of the draw poses some interesting questions as well. We saw Danielle Collins um, get back into a Grand Slam semifinal for the first time since 2019, which was also here. And then Iga Fiontek, what a win that was over Kaya Kanepi today, who is an amazing story in herself, as is Aliza Cornet. So the bottom half of the draw has just presented some wonderful narratives. And what do you make of the, the Sviontek-Collins matchup coming up in the semis? Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to this uh, matchup. I think that bottom half definitely had some early casualties, so it certainly opened up in terms of um, some opportunities for players. And it has been Collins and uh, Sviontek that have taken it with both hands. I thought... I think Collins is dialed in. I think she's got, again, this like, she's. we know she likes to show a lot of emotion on the court, but I think she's kept it in check and for big moments, you know, let it out. But I think she's really focused. I think she's striking the ball beautifully once again as well. Um, obviously had some health issues, but seems to be back in a really good mindset with a nice little team around her. Uh, Shviontek's an interesting one. I, I, I really think... Um, she perhaps maybe isn't playing her best tennis, but what she maybe she's filling that those gaps in with maybe some things within her game with by just pure determination and grit and perseverance. So I think that has been um, a real highlight for me to see Iga Shvontek. I don't think, you know, she's still working out her hard court game. She's obviously the way that she moves, she slides into a lot of balls. I think she can definitely start, she's definitely finding her way, but you know, she's got to remember she's only 20. She's, you know, one Roland Garros. There's a lot of hype about her. She's going through that kind of journey as well. So I thought she was super impressive against Kaya Kanepi. That was not an easy match. She had to fight hard, show so much grit. So, yeah, look, I, I don't really know who's going to get through that one, to be honest, but I, I'm looking forward to it. Danielle Collins will be the aggressor. Shviontek's going to make her play a lot of balls. Again, who's going to, who's going to execute it best on the day, hey? <laughs> exactly. And it's chalk and cheese in that matchup. And we saw today, Sviontek, the angles that she was able to generate and the sheer, as you said, grit and determination to get through. It was the second longest match of the tournament at three hours and one minute. So an amazing performance in that sweltering heat this afternoon. But moving to the men's side of things, Casey, and we, we've seen some unreal matches, especially in uh, in the first round of quarterfinals for the men. Um, seeing 
Rafael Nadal get through to another semifinal at the Australian Open. It's his seventh. And then you've got Matteo Berrettini as well. He's gotten through a couple of five-setters. Nadal hasn't had it all his own way throughout the draw. Um, what do you make of that potential matchup? They've met in one Grand Slam semifinal before, their only previous meeting. Rafa got through that one, but it seems as though, and we know, Matteo has had a lot of development since then. And without Novak in the draw, that's, uh, that weapon of a forehand is looking pretty damn good. Yeah, it sure is. Um, I think so many people, obviously, their hearts are with Rafa, including mine. Love to see Rafa keep it going, obviously. But, uh, yeah, both had tough five-set matches. You know, recovery is going to play a big part in this, how they come out. Uh, I think Berrettini's really put himself in a good position with the experience that he's had. Now on the big stage, I do feel like he's he's ready as well. So I I still think Rafa will get through. I think Rafa will... um, dial it up a notch. I'm not sure that we've seen the best of Rafa, but let's, um, you know, he won Somerset series. Obviously he had a great lead in event. He's played on these courts for weeks on end now here in Melbourne. So I think he's um, ready for a couple. I think he's got a great couple of matches left in him, Rafa. Yeah, definitely. And I, this, I guess this is a bit of a, a broad one, Casey, but on the, on the men's side of things, this has really felt like the most open draw that we've had on the men's side since Probably, I'm going to say almost the, the noughties. Like, it's been, it's been a long time. Um, obviously, Novak not being there has kind of played into that a little bit. But, I mean, has it been refreshing in a way to kind of have this unknown of who's going to be there at the pointy end of the tournament? Obviously, Raph is still there, familiar face. We all know that. But, um, you know, it's felt this whole time, it's really been a bit of a guessing game as to who was going to be there at the pointy end. Yes, and I have loved it. I have absolutely loved it. I think... You know, I've, you know, we've all been excited for this next gen, I guess, of players, but we're not even talking probably, you know, the Sitsipas and the Medvedevs and that. We're talking about the Sinners and the, you know, the real younger kids beneath them that are also coming through the Felix. And I, I think it's been great for the men's game. I think yesterday was a really good showcase of men's tennis. And I think, I think that's what the audience and the world want. We want to see some, you know, different rivalries starting, um, you know, but we, we love the champions of the men's game. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, seeing Felix, you know, out on court with Medvedev and Shapovalov, you know, battling it out there with Rafa, I, I think it's a really great sign for the men's game. So, you know, Yannick Sinner, another one that's impressed me, played so great against Alex Dimonor, looked impressive. So, but he got, he you know, he got through that one, unfortunately didn't get through, but, yeah, I, I personally, I think it's been a, a great thing for the men's game. And it really has. And uh, there was so there was so much chatter about before the Australian Open that, you know, without Novak um, and with the deportation saga that things weren't, you know, it wasn't going to be a great tournament. But I think it's been on the contrary. I think the tennis has really spoken for itself this year. We've had plenty of five setters. We've had plenty of even matches. We've had plenty of three setters on the women's side and the narratives have been everywhere. And what what's been the highlight for you in terms of the entire draw whether it was you know singles doubles anything oh that's a really good question I think um there has been a lot of good storylines Val I think there's been you know particularly from an Aussie point of view I think I'll probably take that tack in a sense that you know obviously it's great um in Australia when we have Ash doing well then we've had you know Thanasi and Nick you know, really performing on the doubles yeah. court. And I'm, I personally, obviously, I'm a big advocate for doubles. I love seeing doubles showcased um, throughout the media and on the on the big screen. And then we've got Dylan Alcott as well. I think, you know, Dylan's just a bloody legend. And I think, you know, he's done just so many great things for our sport, um, for athletes with a disability, but all athletes, all tennis players in general, I think yeah. from a, you know, community participation point of view all the way through, um, you know, there's kids wanting to play tennis because of Dylan. And I think that's really a great thing for our game. So I think, you know, Maddie Inglis's result, um, you know, there's just been a number of different results, I think, from an Aussie perspective that have impressed me, that I, I'm really happy. And I hope those Aussies, you know, take that momentum. Chris O'Connell, another one, yeah. take, that, take that momentum and really have a great 2022 season. 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the great news was that uh, Dylan Orcott named uh, Australian of the Year today. So congratulations to uh, Dylan. Also, of course, a wonderful member of the Wild World of Sports tennis team, as is Casey and Val, of course. He's the stats man. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I've got to ask you, Casey, I've got to ask you, what's he like around the set? Because he came <laughs> and Val shaking his head. But I was in a world of shock when I saw Val on my TV screen the other morning. But he was so natural. Like, what's he, what's he like around the set? No, Val's great. He's been an awesome addition to the Wild Water Sports team. Obviously, from a talent, like talent in a sense of the commentary team perspective, it's so nice for us to have someone on speed dial just to cross-check things, you know, run things by him and he gets back to you in like the flash of, you know, so quickly. So he's awesome. And like, yeah, he got a gig up on the set the other day. Um, he's trying to, everyone's joking that he's trying to make his way back on set every day now, but um, <laughs> just got to, you know, he got to, Make sure that we keep him humble and don't let him get too far ahead of himself, yeah. right, Joel? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the problem is Joel's been pumping me up for the last day and a half, so that's not helped me at all. Um, so my head's just gotten absolutely huge. But, no, Casey, I did pay you $50 to say that. Um, so uh, thank you very much. Um, but, Casey, we won't keep you too long because I know, and from personal experience, we had a chat at about 8 o'clock this morning. So I know that you've been at Melbourne Park for at least 12 hours and uh, and it might be a couple more. So we won't keep you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat some tennis with you and hope to uh, hope to speak to you very, very soon. I know I will probably see you tomorrow. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll enjoy the rest of the Open. Thanks, Val and Joel. And, yeah, good job for getting the podcast and talking tennis. I love it. Love our sport getting out there as much as possible. So, well done. Thank you very much. Casey Delacqua joining us there on Breakpoint Podcast. Still plenty more to come right after this. Follow Breakpoint on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast. Search us on Facebook and subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo and Joel Fritchie here with you talking all things tennis and the Australian Open. As we said before, we are getting right to the pointy end. Um, it's been it's been so good. And thank you to Casey Delacqua for joining us. We've uh, we've always wanted to have her on the show and she's one of the nicest people in tennis, the nicest person in tennis. Great to, great to work with and absolutely. And look, she gave me massive compliments. So that's uh, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I wish I had to pay her for that. Um, so that's uh, that's a nice little uh, a nice little ego boost for me, or another little ego boost for me. Um, after all the comments I've been receiving this week, Joel. The viewers were happy, though. Jeez, just got to look at the YouTube comments. Ooh, good feedback. I know, got called the a uh, Bruce McAvaney. Um, so there's oh. no real there's no real higher honor. But I'm going to stop talking about myself now because um, okay. uh, yeah, because I, I think there's probably been a lot of that. But um. You, you keep telling me that you want to hear it, don't you? I do. I want to hear it again. I just, oh, oh boy, what a moment. I just, I just want to lap it up. You've probably watched it more than I have. <laughs> I probably have. Yeah. It was a real bad friend. Yeah, no, and I love you for it. I really do. So, look, here's the audio. You can't really see what's going on. There's a little bit of awkwardness happening uh, happening in the background, but this is what happened, um, and this is my television debut right here, um, audio courtesy of uh, Nine's Wide World of Sports. Joined on the desk now. Well, it actually says on my rundown, uh, joined on the desk by Jim Courier and Todd Woodbridge. Well, <laughs> we've... Where is he? <laughs> Are we missing someone? I, I don't know. We're, we're, you've probably offended him so much. Well, it's the only not... one I haven't. Yeah. Um, so it's a little awkward, but see, what happens in the Logies is, uh, I don't know if you, you've been to a Logies. Uh, no. They actually have no. what's called um, seat fillers. Oh. So it's just general public yeah. uh, who come along and because all the stars are out in the foyer doing their thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, drinking and whatnot, yeah. uh, they just bring in seat fillers. So we need a... Well, Val, come in here. You sit there. Val's talk, in. Right? You're not allowed to talk or anything. You just <laughs> Now, Val is our statistician, all right? So, Val, you don't have a microphone or anything, so just sit there and just yep. fill that seat for us. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about some tennis. Now, Ash Barty. <laughs> yeah. Last night. Val, what? No. He's, he's not got, even here. No, no. He's just filling a seat, all right? Well, she, she was absolutely fantastic, TJ. She... Um, I thought that was the first match that she's really been pressed. And what I really liked is that at those key moments, they call them the pressure points, she, able, she was able to stand up and take control of the match. Um, you know, when you looked at the draw, she was probably pretty happy, I felt, that Anna Samova was in there. 
and not Naomi Osaka. These two had had that um, match at the semis of the French and have come through again, once, once again, four and three. And the interview, Tony, was the one that really stood out for me because it was nice to see that somebody as young as Ash has memory loss as well. In, in what sense? She, her next opponent, Jessica Pagula, <laughs> right. when Jim was talking to her, said, you know, you come up against her. And she said, yeah, I practised with her a couple of times and it's all been pretty good. You know, I don't think I've ever played her. And he said, and he said yes, you, you, you've already played her. <laughs> and you beat her at the French, the one that you won. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, well, Val's our statistician, of course. Um, what, uh, what, what, what was that set up there? She went lost in the first set. The, the, the match that Todd's talking about. Oh, um, against Anna Samova. Yeah. Yeah, she lost the first set and then was up uh, down three love in the second as well and then came back, reeled off six games in a row. Yep. And then uh, and then got the job done. Anything yeah. else you want to ask him? Yeah. No, he knows it all. He does. Yeah. He does. Let's uh, let's go to uh, Madison Keys now and yep. also uh, Paola Badosa because uh, th this match in its own right is right up there, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Well, Madison Keys for me, is I think the best ball striker on the women's tour that has not won a major tournament. She got close to winning at US Open against Sloan Stevens, and it seems like there's um, the baggage, the, the heavy sand bags that have sat on the shoulder are gone from her. She seems to really be enjoying the tennis, and if she ends up playing the way she has, she is a real threat to go through to the rest of this tournament because she's a lot like Lindsay Davenport, Davenport moves better than Lindsay, big serve, big ground strokes, and she can do a heck of a lot of damage. The other match, uh, Jessica Bagula, which is one that we're really going to take a lot of notice of. I'm actually talking to Val like he's a panellist. That's harsh. Now, Val, you better, make, degrading me. you better make the most of it because I, I, I think the man himself has just he popped is. into the corner. So yeah. answer the question. Go yeah, ahead. The question is, Jessica Bagula comes from a very famous background in American sport, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. Her dad uh, owns the Buffalo Bills and also the Buffalo Sabres in the NHL. And, of course, the Bills, 0-4 in Super Bowls, made four straight yeah. in 91 to 94 and lost them all. So hopefully for the Pagulas, they can go one better. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they're playing today, actually, the, the football are. team. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, sorry. Val, I'm being demoted. I want you to tell Hello, us a little bit. How, how did you get so skillful at all the stats and sitting in the desk and just talking like it's normal? Uh, I have no idea. Just yeah. uni degree. <laughs> I should have gone to university. He's the only one with a degree on the desk, now, I think. Val, I hate to cut your career short. No, no, you stay. But, uh, yeah. You stay. You we're going to work together. So Let's Jim's going to slip in there. I'm going to stand up. Let's work together. Jim, we were talking before about how the American resurgence is such that, uh, you know, great to see so many sort of Americans coming through. So I'm going to get your views on that a little later on. But I want to ask you about Sitsipas and mm. Fritz. That's going to mm -hmm. be one out of the box that match as well. Yeah, Taylor Fritz has really come along in a big, big way. He, he's a, a player that can really challenge Sitsipas because Fritz, he's not the best mover necessarily, and understanding that has been a part of his move forward in the rankings. He's getting very aggressive off of the forehand especially. Look at look for him to do big damage against Tsitsipas. It's going to be a real battle for control in the center of the court. Fritz is not going to want to give ground. Uh, Steph is going to want to use his all-court all sensibilities as best he can to, to get the match on his terms. But look, the, the, Fritz has that first strike power. He's a little bit like Madison Keys, actually, in a way that, is, that he's a clean ball striker off both sides, Teddy. And uh, he can take the racket out of an opponent's hands, but he's much better when he's on the front foot. Do you agree, Val, or not so much? No, I do agree, 100%. Okay. Anything you say, Jim, yeah, uh, this on is, the money. This, you're going to lose your job here on the desk if you don't disagree. Let's take a look at the Amy player matchup, shall we? Uh, yeah. Val put this together himself anyway, but take us through it, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that Amy does match up here. Look, head-to-head. Uh, Tsitsipas -head. is 2-0 and against him, but I don't think he's played Taylor Fritz in the, in the form and confidence that Fritz is in right now. They're very similar in age, 24. They're really still ascendant as far as uh, their career is concerned. And look at that ranking. Taylor Fritz, I believe, in the, in the live rankings, is now moving into the top 20 on the back of his results here. And Tsitsipas, the ranking is really inconsequential for him right now, I think. I think it's all about getting his hands on a trophy. He's been so close. One set away from it at Roland Garros. Led two sets to love against Novak in that final and couldn't stick the landing. But... Um, you know, what do you think, Val? Is that OK? I think that's brilliant. You're okay. right. 20th right. in the world. He'll be in the live rankings. So bang on, Jim. See? There you go. <laughs> bang on. This has been one of the most interesting segments I've ever seen. Our floor manager, Murph, has been diving underneath 
the, the cameras here. He's been flinging around the back. There's, it's it's right. extraordinary. Hey, it, life. It, this is all Tennis Australia's fault because I was shooting something for their historical oh, cannon at, over at the yeah. centerpiece Port. buildings. That's why I'm late. Jeez, so had a good summer. Blame yeah. Tennis Australia. <laughs> they just keep well, them delaying you got me on TV. So yeah, Val's happy. That's right. <laughs> all right. We're going we're gonna to go to the break. And by the way, can I thank everyone for not making comment about Todd's jacket, which clearly hey, hasn't on. been finished from the oh, tailor. Oh, um, oh, this is my... I like this summer jacket. Have you still got those beige chinos on? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh. All right, we're going to go to a break. Uh, Val, thanks very much, You're mate. very welcome, Tony. Well, there you have it, Joel. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You can hear it again. You can oh. listen to it at, um, at your pleasure. Um, yeah, I still... I, I honestly cringe watching it a little bit because you know it's when you watch yourself doing it it's it's really bizarre it is honestly so yeah. bizarre but it's so good like it was it was so much fun and it's a dream to do tv so um you know to make your debut with with such legends um yeah not not a not a bad way to start no of course not jim courier you were on with jim i know wow. what a I man just, what i love how he just sat you down and said no nope, you're, you're staying with us that was great on you jim what a what a wonderful man he is! Like yeah. he's just he is life goals, Jim Courier. Um, I was it was a real summer in Australia until you hear his voice. No, and that's exactly right. I think we both tweet it every year. Jim Courier on my television. It's officially summer. Yep. And oh god, what a man! What a man! Um, look, let's let's end the gush fest of uh, of Jim Courier because <laughs> we could go on for hours. And um, it is time for the Benoit of the week, Joel. Um, Last week it was Benoit, had to be, considering yeah. his strong performance at the AO. He did lose to Stefano Tsitsipas in four. But who is it this week? Yeah, well, this week it's a positive Benoit. And we touched on it briefly with uh, with Casey, but it's got to go to Dylan Alcott, of course, yeah. uh, named Australian of the Year um, today on Australia Day, which, well, it's a like, it's a divisive day. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. We won't sort of dive into the... Uh, into the rabbit hole of uh, of the discussion, but um, no matter what uh, or where you stand, we can all celebrate um, Dylan being selected as Australian of the Year on on Australia Day. And um, you know, I don't think we'll, I don't think you or I, Val, we can see how he inspires and we can see what he does to inspire. But I don't think probably you or I could really sort of truly appreciate what this guy has done for people with a disability because we are able-bodied. I think you, we've got to sort of talk to people that actually do have a disability to truly understand, uh, I guess, what what Dylan has done for people with, with disability. And I think that's when you, that's when we would really truly appreciate what, what he has been able to do. And, um, of course, he's still, he's got, uh, you know, by the time that a lot of people listen to this, he will have probably played in his uh, quad singles AO final. And we hope he, he can win again, which would be his, uh, of course, last Australian Open, last Grand Slam. So uh, Benoit of the week goes to Dylan Alcott. Congratulations, Dylan. And hopefully he can close it out with another trophy. Yeah, here, here. Final match ever. And he was very emotional in his speech. And um, yeah, it was, absolutely. it was a brilliant speech, wasn't it? Yeah. No, he's he's been good. He's been in fi- on, uh, on fine form on the television screens as well. Been very, very funny. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good to Peter see Dylan Alcott. Alexander in week one was so good. When he said yeah. like day was overrated, that was that was very funny. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, no, but well done to Dylan Alcott. Um, he's been a real pioneer for wheelchair tennis and and for to say and for people with a disability as well um, over the last seven or eight years um, since his first Australian Open crown and um, I remember the twenty four hours of tennis that he played back um, before he'd even won a Grand Slam and around that time where he was really just coming out and he's been doing things like that ever since. So well done to Dylan Alcott and uh, hopefully he can, uh, he can finish off his career with a grand slam win. It was um, it's been really good to see so far. So brilliant. Get down to Rod Laver arena and see him if you are in Melbourne and, uh, and, and get the support for him. But Ben of the week does go to Dylan Alcott. Joel, before I do let you go um, and before you head back down from Rye back to Melbourne uh, from your little holiday (laughs) now, who have you and we've done the predictions already um yeah again but who have you got winning the australian open uh, i think we do need to do it again because there have been some changes in the draw and some of the people that we picked to go far and are gone um so who have you got uh all right on the women's side uh ash 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 no doubt at all mm-hmm. um on the geez on the men's side oof. 
See what? I changed my tip from Medvedev to Zverev on our last show. And of course, I mozzed poor old Alex and he had an absolutely, an absolutely awful loss against Chapo. So um, I think whoever I pick, we can categorically rule out as being the winner. <laughs> so, <laughs> so pick who you don't want to win. Oh gosh, um, who I don't want to win? Oh, it's it's pretty unfair on the on the sort of four and a half guys that are remaining. Um, uh, look, I think I think I've got to go back to Daniel. Uh, of course, he's up against it now, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a bit of a, a bit of a gamble and say that uh, I think Daniel will, will come through against Felix, um, knock off Steph, and then I'm gonna say he will beat Rafa in the final. Bay Raffer in the final. Yep, I've got Daniel yeah. winning, and I reckon it's going to be uh, Matteo in the final of the uh, of the Oz Open. I reckon uh, Daniel would just get the job done there. Maybe a four setter, probably. I don't know. I just think Daniel's going to get it done. I just think the way that he, he plays his tennis, he he's been pretty mentally strong. Um, you know, he's had a few uh, he's had a few issues uh, here and there. But um, what Grand Slam? Uh, what what would a Grand Slam be without one or two Daniel Medvedev outbursts? Um, and on the women's side, Ash for first, Ash for second, Ash for third, Ash for fourth, Ash for fifth, Ash for all 128 positions in the draw. She's just that good, um, and she's been on fire. Um, so uh, hopefully, we're not putting the moz on her. But yeah, she's just been so good throughout this entire fortnight. Um, it would be an absolute injustice if she doesn't win it because she does deserve it. As do all four plays left in the draw, but I I, I just, yeah, I, I think she's been so good. So, yeah, Ash Barty for me to win the women's Daniel Medvedev on the men's and for Joel Frigi, it's Daniel Medvedev and Ash Barty as well. So we're going real original here on Breakpoint Podcast. The top <laughs> seeds on both sides, um, you heard it here first, real hard-hitting sort of stuff. But, Joel, it's been an absolute pleasure, as per usual, to talk all things tennis with you. Uh, and, look, I'm really looking forward to the next few days of the Open. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we get some cracking finals. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Good show. And uh, I'll see you on TV. Uh, you probably won't. Um, I reckon I've, I've had my time. I've got to buy my time a little bit more now. But yeah, hopefully. Maybe one day we'll be able to do this show on TV. Imagine that. Breakpoint prime time. 7.30 every night. We can do it. Mm. Don't rule it out. God, that'd be fun. Um, I'll use my connections now. I've got power. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, it actually does have power. I was texting him. I can't remember what day it was to say, why is this match on TV? <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, five minutes later, it changed. <laughs> that wasn't good. that wasn't because of us. <laughs> um, I wish I wish I could say it was. We were joking that it was, but no, definitely wasn't. Um, but no, uh, yeah, it has been a great show. Big thank you to you, Joel. Big thank you to Casey Delacqua for joining us on the show. Can't wait to hear what she's got to say on uh, on Nine's Wide World of Sports over the next couple of days because we are in for an absolute treat. Women's semifinals on Thursday, men's semifinals on Friday, Melbourne time women's final on Saturday and also men's final on Sunday. And don't forget the doubles because, well, we've had, uh, there's going to be some big results of Nick Kyrgios and Thanasi Kokonakis get up. So be sure to watch. We're very excited. Valfaba and Joel Fridgey joining you on Breakpoint Podcast. We'll catch you next week to review everything that's happened at Melbourne Park.